It is game day for the Vegas Golden Knights. The reigning Eastern Conference champion Bruins will be at T-Mobile Arena tonight, and we chat everything Boston and this upcoming game with Ian McLaren, the host of Locked On Bruins. Locked On Golden Knights, everybody is back. Here we go. on golden knights part of the locked on podcast network happy tuesday to all of you and i hope your day is going rather swimmingly even though it's the beginning of the week no one wants to talk about the beginning of the week it's always can we just get to friday is is friday just that far an impossible goal to reach you know but in any event hopefully this your podcast is here to brighten your day, to make it a little bit easier, and to at least cut 30 minutes off of whatever day you're going through. So thank you for tuning in. I, of course, am Danny Webster, your host, Vegas correspondent for NHL.com, site manager for SB Nation's Nights on Ice. And it's that time again where I have to thank everybody for listening to this podcast, no matter where you're listening to, Apple, Google, Spotify, or my favorite thing now, Stitcher. Uh, it is becoming slowly my favorite thing of all time. Uh, no matter where you're getting this podcast from, thank you for listening. Hope you're enjoying it so far. We're a week and a day or two into our genesis, and everything is going well. And like I said, so far nothing has crashed, nothing has burned. And as far as that continues to happen, we're doing something right. Uh, so thank you to everybody tuning in. Thank you to everybody who's downloaded, who's subscribed, and who has uh, left your feedback, whether good, bad, or indifferent. Uh, all of it is welcome. All of it is uh, taken very well. And if there's anything you want to hear on the pod that's not out of the realm of possibility and doesn't cost me $5 million, I think we can make it happen. So please leave your suggestions. Please leave your feedback. All of it is very much welcome. So today is game day for the Golden Knights as they look to go to 3-0 and for the second time in franchise history. This would ma- win would match their start from the inaugural season where they became the first expansion team ever to go to 3-0. and But tonight it's a little bit of a duffer challenge. They welcome the reigning Eastern Conference champion Boston Bruins to T-Mobile Arena for the, ver- for the first time this season. And the Bruins enter this game a little bit... Uh, with Vegas's number, Boston has won the last three meetings. Uh, Vegas's only meeting, their lone win against the Bruins, was the very first meeting back on October fifteenth, twenty seventeen. That was Malcolm Subban's first start, his very first, or it's not a first start, his first win, first start of the season, and it was against his former team, and he nearly pitched a shutout against his former club. I do not believe we will be seeing Malcolm Subban in net today for I think a lot of people would enjoy that, but we are going to see Marc-Andre Fleury uh, in net for the Golden Knights. More than likely, if we want to see Subban, it's going to come Thursday at Arizona. I think that would be an opportune time for him before Fleury gets enough rest uh, to face Calgary on Saturday. Um, But it does look like Marc-Andre Fleury will get the start against the Bruins 
uh, tonight. The lines are looking about the same as they have been for the last two games, starting with uh, the Carlson line with Marshall Solon-Smith, the Glass line with Stone and Pacioretty, Stasny line of Peary and Zikov, and the Nosek line with Carrier and Reeves. Defense pairings look about the same as well. McNabb, Theodore, Merrill Holden, Haig, and England with 29 in the net. For Boston, nothing really um, alarmingly different. The only unknown that we have right now appears to be the goaltending situation, as uh, we'll dive a little bit more into it with uh, Ian McLaren in our chat a little bit later. Um, they're going with a kind of a platoon approach between Tuka Rask and Yarrow Halak. And you can't really go wrong with either one of them in that right now. Cause Halak has been one of the best backups in the league. And we all know about how good Tuka Rask has been. And again, he was really one win away from winning the, uh, he was really one win away from winning the con Smythe, I believe, as Ian also had mentions in our chat later. But for the Bruins, nothing really surprisingly stands out. You get the Bergeron line with Marchand and Pasternak, DeBrus, Krejci, and Coleman, Heinen, Coyle, Ritchie, and then Wagner, Curley, and then Lindholm back as Nordstrom as uh, one of the extras. And then defensively, Chara, McAvoy, Krug, Carlo, and Greslick, and Clifton. And again, we do not know at this time, at the time of pub, um, who the netminder will be for Boston. If I had to venture a guess, I will go and say Tuka Rask just because Yarrow Halak got a shutout against Arizona on Saturday. And if they do want to go with this platoon approach, more than likely it would be a whole lot easier just to have Tuka Rask in for this kind of high-profiled showdown against the Vegas Golden Knights. So as I mentioned at the top of yesterday's pod, uh, the keys to the game, I think, Vegas just needs to come out uh, strong, probably not score early, but put enough pressure on whoever the whoever the goaltender is and kind of get on the board is within the first 10 minutes. I think if you get on the board in the first 10 minutes and you leave Boston scoreless, I think that's going to put a lot of pressure on Boston and it might lead into a couple of mistakes here and there. But Boston's a very sound team. They're not going to make many mistakes, so Vegas is going to have to outplay them. Uh, the only way they know can, and the, the only way they know they can, and that's uh, getting aggressive on the forecheck, putting pressure on the Boston defense, putting pressure on their back check, and kind of just making plays from there. So, very uh, again, it's game three of eighty-two. It's not going to be a whole lot of stock. Uh, Gerard Gallant did not want to call this like a measuring stick so early in the season, uh, but for someone like Jonathan Marshall who understands the significance of this kind of a game. Uh, He's hoping that he and his teammates can get off to a strong start. It's uh, it's all about consistency, I think, for us. I mean, we had two good games. Uh, we got to be good. Like, we got to be good against them because they have the offensive power to make you pay. And they're a better team than San Jose, I think. So it's, uh, it's a real challenge for us. So I mentioned yesterday that I believe that this would be a good time to see uh, Cody Glass go up against uh, the top line of Boston with Stone and Pacioretty. I think that line would probably best offset that uh, Bergeron line. Probably not the best idea at the end of the day if you want Cody Glass to get wide-eyed against one of the best defensive forwards that this game has ever seen. 
But in any event, uh, it wouldn't be shocking to see the Carlson line get the start, but I, I think it'd be kind of interesting to see how Vegas uh, counteracts the Bergeron, Marchand, and Pasternak line. So uh, we're going to chat about that and more with Ian McLaren, the host of Locked On Bruins. Um, we dove into a really good chat, kind of talked about each other's teams, where we see uh, each of these guys, each of these teams right now, and kind of discuss where the Bruins are at after you know coming within one win of winning another Stanley Cup, and where Vegas is right now. He has Vegas uh, in his Cup final. He hasn't winning at all, actually. So that shows you how highly the Golden Knights are thought of, especially on the East Coast. So we'll get into that and more with my chat with Ian. But before we get to that, I was told not too long ago that there are still seats and plenty of tickets available to tonight's game. And if this is a Stanley Cup final preview, which I'm hyping it up to be, you should want a seat at this game, right? Like, it it makes sense. If you haven't been to T-Mobile yet, this might be the game you want to go to, right? Well, Vivid Seats has got you covered. Vivid Seats does its best to give you the seats you need at the price you can afford to provide the right view for whatever it is you're looking to see, whether it be concerts, theater, sports, even tonight's game, Golden Knights and Bruins. I mean, last I checked, there were tickets going for about as low as 82 bucks a pop. And if you've never been to T-Mobile Arena, I can assure you, there is not a single bad seat in the house. Everything is top notch and perfect for a viewing experience if you've never been to a Golden Knights game. So Vivid Seats does its best to give you what you need. And not only does it do that, it does its best to reward you for seeing your favorite artists and these teams through the Vivid Seats Rewards Program. If you purchase through the Vivid Seats app, if you download the Vivid Seats app and you make a purchase, you are automatically enrolled into that Vivid Seats Rewards program where you are given back credits. You are given back stuff for making a purchase to go see the things that you enjoy. All you have to do is go on the Apple App Store or Google Play and download the app and you're automatically enrolled in for your first purchase. All confirmed orders are backed by a 100% guarantee so you know you're getting a legit deal. Download the Vivid Seats app today. Enter the promo code POSTSEASON, that's P-O-S-T-S-E-A-S-O-N, to get up to a $100 discount on your first Vivid Seats purchase. Again, $100 discount you could get. If you get two tickets to tonight's game, you could possibly get up to $100 in discounts if you enter that promo code at, at checkout. How cool is that? And you can get these cheap tickets for even more affordable. That, that's insane. So download the Vivid Seats app, enter the promo code POSTSEASON to get a huge bit of savings today. And who knows, that might get you into the arena for Vegas, Boston tonight. So again, vividseats.com or, vi- or go to the Vivid Seats app, download it today, and enter the promo code POSTSEASON to get at least a $100 discount on your first Vivid Seats purchase. That's V-I-V-I-D Seats, Vivid Seats and enter the promo code POSTSEASON. And now we will get to my chat with Ian McLaren from Locked On Bruins. Hey, how's it going, Danny? Good. How you doing, Ian? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, it's, yeah, nice to connect. We're both uh, in the beginning stages of 
recording our podcast. Me locked on Boston Bruins. You're locked on uh, Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, how are how are you finding it so far? You know what? Not too bad. Uh, so far, nothing's really crashed and burned. And my mantra has always <laughs> been: if nothing crashes and burns, then you're doing something right. So I, I think so far, I think we're surviving pretty well. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's been fun so far for sure. It's uh, it's been weird for me because the Bruins are on this uh, West Coast road trip to begin the season. So right. I wish the games weren't on uh, as late. I I honestly don't know how much I'll actually get to watch of the the Vegas game because it does start at 10 o'clock local time and got to get up next morning with uh, my kids to get them to school and work and stuff like that. But uh, hopefully try to watch as much as I can because Vegas is uh, actually Vegas. I had, I had picked them to win the cup this year, actually. <laughs> All right. Funnily then. enough. Yeah, I, I did. I do some, some side hockey writing for uh, this site called daily hive up here. And I picked them over Carolina actually in the final. So okay. uh, both undefeated so far. So I'm not looking like a, a complete moron just yet. Two down, 80 to go. You got time. Yep. What's uh, yeah. What's, what's the vibe down there in Vegas? Obviously there's, it's always uh, quite an atmosphere and people are excited, but are people thinking uh, deep run for this team and winning the, winning the Pacific and all that? I, I think there's a general sense in this city that they expect this team to make a deep run. I think when they made the the trade for Stone, that was the very first sign of, okay, they're going all in. And mm-hmm. and, and even when they traded for Pacioretty, I don't think that was a big enough move to kind of move the needle. When they signed Stasny a couple months prior, I don't even think that, that was the move. When they decided to trade the second of their third draft triplets to Ottawa to say, okay, we're going to get this guy, sign him for a long-term contract and then go all in and see what we can do. I think that was the sign of, okay, then that's, that's the moment where you need to expect this team to either make a deep run or win the cup in the next two to three years. And you look at the way that this team is constructed you get a full season of Stone and Pacioretty together. So, I mm. mean, supposedly Stasny, but right now it's Cody Glass because of the injuries to the to the rest of the bottom six. But you got that line. You have the Carlson line that continues to be uh, a dynamic force whenever. And you got Carlson and Smith teaming up on the most absurd penalty kill this side of the Mississippi right now. So <laughs> there's that going. Yeah, And then the, the, the only question that this team really has is on the blue line. And if they have enough depth on the blue line to kind of right. offset the loss of uh, Colin Miller and throwing in one of the young guys, whether it be, uh, whether it be Nick Haig or Jimmy Schultz, I think that's the big question, but yeah, I think it's fair to say that I'm, I'm not sure I would label it cup or bust yet this year. Cause I mm-hmm. mean, we're talking a 30 year franchise for, right, for yeah. cup or bust is ridiculous, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to say that it would be a little bit of a disappointment if they didn't at least reach the conference final and get a chance to right. play in the big dance. I had kind of thought they might, after the stone trade, I had kind of thought they might be the the front runner to, to sign Eric Carlson. If he didn't stick with San Jose, was there ever any sense that that was a possibility or a hope or at least, or 
I don't, I don't think necessarily signing him. I think just the way that the cap was structured for Vegas, right. it was going to be pretty much impossible. Their, their best chance that they had for Eric Carlson was going back two deadlines ago when they ended right. up going with a Tomas Tatar. Right. And the, they really, from what I remember, they were really close. Uh, they were really close to striking a deal. And at the last minute, Ottawa tried to uh, say, "Hey, can you throw Cody Glass into the deal?" Oh, right. and was that, that when was they, were they were they trying to also get uh, Bobby Ryan thrown in there as well? Was that I, part of it? Yeah, yeah, I think they were trying to yeah. get Ryan as well, just to take the contract off the books. Right. Um, but Vegas was really close. They were like, "Okay, we'll take back Ryan. We'll take Carlson." And then the plan was to eventually get Carlson locked up to a long term deal. Right. But then the stickling point was, hey, will you throw in Cody Glass into the deal? And then that was a <laughs> yeah. very emphatic no. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's where they are. And somehow through all the smoke and rubble, Cody Glass is the last of the three remaining from the first draft class right. in the first yeah. round. And now he's centering a line with the two big acquisitions that Vegas would make in the following year. So yeah, right. everything's funny. come full circle. <laughs> Yeah, going back to the Pacioretty trade, I mean, uh, I I live in the town that uh, Nick Suzuki ended up playing for last year, and they, he won a OHL championship here in Guelph last year. So I got to watch him quite a bit, and now obviously he's with the Canadians. But uh, yeah, just thinking about that Pacioretty trade and and dealing Suzuki at that point in in Vegas's kind of franchise trajectory i don't you can't really yeah overlook that the magnitude of that trade because no, absolutely. suzuki he's such a he's such a skilled player he's he's already in the nhl and that was yeah it, it seemed like he was going to be a big part of their future and to to give it up for Pacioretty, who he didn't have really a stellar first season but he looks like he's kind of back to his scoring form that he that he showed with the canadians so if if he can continue that um, then at least, yeah, in the, in the short term, it, it, uh, might seem like a, a better deal than it would have if Suzuki was in the NHL, Pacioretty's, you know, constantly hurt or not scoring, but at least for, for this season, if he can keep it going, it looks like, uh, a worthwhile, uh, I don't know if gamble's the right word, but a worthwhile trade to, to bring a guy like Pacioretty into the mix. Yeah, you can. De- I think it's fair to call it a gamble. I mean, you're bringing yeah. in a guy from in his last season in Montreal when he got hurt and uh, didn't have the out the output that Vegas was really hoping for when they got him because that was really the first sign of like, okay, this is the guy to get us over the hump. If we made it to the Cup final, Patcheretti at the time was viewed as the guy who would actually right. get them there and get them to you know win the whole kit and caboodle. Um, but no, I. I I think he looks he looks much faster this year. He's skating a lot better. Uh, his conditioning, his training in the off season is kind of back to a normal regimen because when he got traded, he had to kind of throw his old routine out of whack. So it really was uh, really kind of a uh, really tough transition period for him. But I think now that you know he's got a full off season under his belt, full conditioning, and now he's been with Vegas for a full summer. I, I think he just looks ready to go and is probably primed for probably one of his best all around seasons he's ever had. It's funny to look back because I think about that uh, game seven against San Jose last year. And if, if things had gone differently, 
how I don't think it's uh, unreasonable to to think that Vegas could have easily, not easily, but they could have come out of the West and it, we could have seen a, a Bruins golden Knights uh, final. And it looks like yeah. Vegas kind of took care of San Jose in the first couple of games here to start the season. And I, in my mind, they're, they're at least the class of the, the Pacific division and looks like the other teams, Calgary, maybe take a step back. San Jose is not what they were, you know, without Pavelski. Um, so I, in my mind, I don't really see anyone else stepping up to really challenge Vegas to come out of that division at the very least. Yeah. It's, um, it's hard to say right now just because San yeah, Jose. so far away. Yeah. Yeah. And, but, but San Jose, I had a feeling that they were going to regress just because mm. like you said, you lose Pavelski you lose Donskoy, you lose Nyquist, you you lose a whole, um, you lose you lose a whole piece of really your bottom six. Yeah, and you lose all of that depth, coupled in with the fact that now you're investing your entire future on what is to come of your defensive triad that you've invested almost forty million dollars in. All right. And then top that off with the goaltending, which is the biggest question mark that San Jose will continue to have for as long as Martin Jones is in there. So, yeah, I mean, Edmonton probably won't sustain this. Anaheim and L.A. are question marks. Calgary's goaltending is going to be the big question. Um, And then Vancouver is still a little uh, ways away as well. So, yeah. And and Arizona is probably another dark horse that that a lot of people are talking about. So right now I agree. Vegas is far and away the best team in the division. Is there um, is there any chance that uh, Malcolm Subban will play tomorrow night, or the Bruins won't be facing facing I don't, their old? Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think I don't think it'll happen. But I will say, the last time Malcolm Subban got a start at T-Mobile Arena against the Bruins, it was his first NHL win. Right. So yeah, so yeah, if they so that. if they do if they do feel any uh, you know kind of mojo ish type of deal, <laughs> they might want to throw him in there. But I think. Uh, I think it's safe to say Flurry gets to start tomorrow. If they want to get Subban because they're playing every other day the rest of this week, I think Subban would play Thursday at Arizona. And right. then you get Flurry rested for uh, Saturday against Calgary back at home. Uh, but I, I think uh, it, it'd be kind of a shocking surprise to see Subban go in against Boston. I don't know if it, even if it's this early in the season, I don't know if Vegas is ready to kind of throw him into the fire for that. But right. uh, we'll wait and see. But I, I do expect Flurry in tomorrow. I'm actually interested to see who Boston is going to roll with because um, obviously with Rask and Halak, they kind of have the one a one B situation and uh, Rask started the season opener and, and they were able to beat Dallas. And then Halak came back with a 35 save shutout against, uh, against Arizona on Saturday. So I'm kind of curious to see if it's, if Bruce Cassidy is kind of going to stick to a, a platoon situation, if they'll go with the you know proverbial hot hand or whatever, but um, I mean the Bruins have only allowed one goal in the, in those two games that they've played so far, so I don't think there's a if it's just going to the platoon situation, I, I would think Rask will be back, but uh, they might reward Halak for that shutout and give him another start, but. Um, I'm not quite sure exactly where they're leaning at this point, but it'll be interesting to see how they begin to to split those starts and if uh, Halak will get in there after after getting a shutout the other night. 
Is that just by design, by way of the road trip right now, that they just want to I, kind of split it up and then I eventually think so. when they're back home, they go back to Rask full-time? Yeah, I mean, I honestly think that they're – last year it was more of a split due to circumstance with um, Rask was on the shelf for a little bit, so Halak stepped in and he did really well. But then uh, we all saw how well Rask uh, played in the postseason. If, if the Bruins had won game seven – uh, I don't have any doubts that he, he would have won the con Smythe. Um, so I think they're going to do it more by design this year where they will, um, give Halak pretty regular starts. Um, I would imagine for this trip, they might go, uh, two and two, um, with, or they might just see, cause the, the Bruins are playing Colorado after, after they're done in, in Vegas, so they might uh, give Rask both games just to see, you know, where he's at at this stage in the season. Um, but I really think it'll be more of a, if not like 41 starts each, then that maybe like 45, 50 starts for, for Rask and then the rest for Halak. But I, th- I do think it'll be in an intentional kind of uh, more of an even split just to keep them both fresh and to, uh yeah keep keep rask uh more ready for the playoffs for when they matter most i always think about you know with the bruins and the leafs having played in the last couple of years and seeing last year especially how rested rask was compared to frederick anderson and the leafs kind of rolling a fringe nhl ahl guy as their backup and, and really riding anderson super hard throughout the regular season um I really think the Bruins have a, a luxury there and having a lack who, who would be a starter on, on many other teams to be able to, to fall back on him and, and give Rask the night off every now and then uh, not because he's struggling, but just because they can and not really uh, take a step, that much of a step back at all, even in the quality of goaltending that they get. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if it is Rask that goes tomorrow night, but um, if they did choose to to roll with Halak, um, it wouldn't be uh, aside from what maybe Boston media might roll with a goalie controversy early in the season. But I don't think that's the case. It would just be more of a, you know, Halak's he's a great goalie. He, he got a shutout. Might as well go back to him. There's not really much of a drop off there. Yeah, gotcha. And I mean, that's really one of the biggest issues I think that would face Vegas because. They've, they rode Flurry for most of uh, last year. And Subban, right. really did, Subban really didn't even see any second end of the back-to-backs. It was mostly just Flurry taking the load. And some of them were home back-to-back, so it kind of made sense that you would yeah. get like the early start one day, late start the next night, and you kind of work off from that. But then you saw Flurry take the last month off from March, and you have to wonder – well, did he have enough time to prepare? Did he have enough, you know, was it more rust or rest? I right. mean, for the three wins that Vegas had against San Jose in the playoffs, that looked to be the case. That like He looked fine. And then, mm-hmm. you know, pucks bounced the way that they did. And I don't necessarily think it was the goaltending that doomed Vegas in the first round. I think, you know, Flurry's a different kind of animal when it comes to goaltending. If he wants to start right. 55, 60 games, he fully has the capability, even at coming up on 35 next year or this month or yeah, November. Um, I, I think that he's more than capable of kind of handling that load, but I also don't think it's, you know, a hindrance on Malcolm Subban, which is 
um, which a lot of people would think if Subban's performance is the reason why he's not playing a lot, it, I think it's just Flurry just feels like he has something to prove and it, you know, going on 35, he probably wants to play as much as he can to show that he's still got it. So right. def- definitely a, an interesting, um, definitely an interesting situation as far as that goes Yeah, uh, with that. But I, I'm curious to know your thoughts on how Boston will match up its top line tomorrow, because I kind of touched on it today um pod that just went live um i think this would be a perfect opportunity to get uh the stone patcheretti glass line to start just because you want to that's probably going to be your one line that will offset anything that the bergeron line does right and i'm wondering if you think uh how you think that potential matchup would look and if this would be kind of a wide-eyed moment for Cody Glass, if that were to be the case. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, just because of, you know, he's, he's new to the league and kind of figuring things out along with two way more established guys. I think, um, I, I think the Bruins would be okay with that. If, even if Stone and Pacioretty can kind of neutralize uh, Pasternak, and Marchand and the wings, I think uh, the Bruins would have no problem sending uh, Bergeron out there against Glass and, and thinking that they'll um, come out on top of that matchup. Bergeron is – the thing with the top line is they haven't really um, been all that impressive in the first couple of games. Bergeron was dealing with an injury in uh, training camp and um, – the first power play unit especially has, has really looked out of sorts and um, it's actually been, and actually David Krejci missed the first game of the season. He was kind of easing things back the second game. So it's actually been um, Charlie Coyle and Danton Heinen have kind of been the more impressive uh, duo early on. They've been playing uh, with, with Brett Ritchie who he scored in the, in the debut, but didn't look as great. Um, in the second game against Arizona. So um, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. If, if glass uh, that line is up against the Bergeron line, whether or not they can establish themselves and um, kind of return to form as that top line. And then seeing whether uh, the Carlson line on the Vegas end, they're matched up with, Krejci and DeBrusque, and if Coyle and Heinen can continue to kind of exploit those those bottom six matchups, um, that will really uh, kind of be a test of of the Bruins' depth. They haven't had all three of those centers in the lineup for the same same game yet this year. Um, actually, that's not true. They did for against Arizona, but again, Krejci was uh, a bit limited. Um, so yeah, I don't think Boston would have. Uh, much of an issue if if uh, when Bergeron heads over the boards that that glass is thrown out against him um again stone i think he's he's really getting a lot more credit these days as uh, a two-way winger who who should be in that selkie conversation year in and year out so um if if there's any deficiencies defensively for glass then then stone especially can maybe make up for that uh but uh, with with um, Bergeron and Marchand specifically on the penalty kill as well, I think that's an area where they can 
neutralize that that top line as well. Um, so yeah, I don't think Boston will be too worried about about the matchups. Whoever uh, Vegas throws out there, uh, all three lines right now have the potential to score, which is not something that was could be said early on last year. Um, so um, it's just a matter of of actually getting going. Like I said, they've only scored three goals so far in the, in the two games. Um, so, uh, yeah, they, maybe this, this time if the defense isn't as strong and, and those saves aren't made as they were in the last couple of games that, um, uh, they, they might start to, to slide a bit there, but early on, I, I don't think, uh, Boston will worry too, too, too much about Bergeron having to, to go out there against a, a rookie like glass. A huge thanks to Ian McLaren, the host of Locked On Bruins, uh, for taking some time out of his busy day to even have a chat with me. You know, trying to line up schedules between someone on the West Coast and someone on the East Coast can be really challenging. But you know what? Really appreciate him for uh, taking some time to chat with me uh, today about the game between the Golden Knights and the Bruins. Coming up tomorrow, we will bring you the whole lowdown of Golden Knights Bruins, what happened, who stood out, what were the keys to the victory for either side, and we will break it all down for you tomorrow on Locked on Golden Knights. Thank you all for tuning in. Have a great rest of your Tuesday. I am Danny Webster, and we will see you guys tomorrow. Have a good one.